Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Fox 2 presents Hancock and Kelly. And welcome to Hancock and Kelly here on Fox 2. Great to have you along on this Sunday. On the left, right there, Michael Kelly. Good morning. I have a blues tie on today. No, but I'm excited. Wow, what a night tonight's going to be. And John Hancock right over here. Game six, let's go. Big time, St. Louis going to be hopping. I'm John Brown. Big story this week, though, an arrest in the case of Angie Hausman. Fox 2's Mandy Murphy has the story we'll discuss after this. This is the man now charged with Hausman's death. He is 61-year-old Earl Cox. Cox has been in and out of prison for years and is now in federal custody because courts ruled he's a pedophile too dangerous to release. Today is a day I think that uh, many of us have been waiting for. St. Charles County Prosecutor Tim Lomar, surrounded by St. Anne and St. Charles County law enforcement, announced charges of kidnapping, murder and sodomy. Lomar described how Hausman was found in the Bush Wildlife Area nine days after being kidnapped. Lomar says Hausman was sexually tortured, her nude body found tied to a tree. Crime scene evidence further indicated that Angie was alive as she was bound and left in the woods and that she struggled extensively to free herself before she ultimately perished. Lomar says advancements in technology allowed them to test a piece of Hausman's underwear found at the scene. In February, the test revealed a DNA match to Earl Cox. Uh, The breakthrough in technology that came about in 2017 allowed these folks to test this object and not have the dye act as an inhibitor. So that was a huge uh, breakthrough for us. Cox, who grew up in St. Louis, was back in town between 93 and 95 and living just a few streets away from Hausman's school and home. Yet he was never on authorities' radar. Lomar also thinks someone helped Cox with the crime. We have reason to believe that Earl W. Cox was not the only suspect. Lomar says he's not ruling anyone out as a suspect, including Hausman's stepfather, Ron Bone. But for now, they don't have any connection between Hausman's family and Earl Cox. We spoke with Bone after the press conference. I have nothing to do with this. I mean, there's, there's nothing. I've done nothing. They've known exactly where I've been to and all everything I have done. Investigators from St. Anne and St. Charles County never gave up on finding Houseman's killer. It is personal to them and especially to the community of St. Anne where she lived. We are hoping that by making an arrest in this case, the healing process may begin and eventually St. Anne and all surrounding municipalities will find closure. That was Mandy Murphy with the story. Guys, this story defined fear for kids who grew up here. Now these people are in their, what, mid to younger 30s, and their lives, their childhoods were were damaged because of this one act by this guy. In 1993, I was in high school in Duchenne and St. Charles, Duchenne High School in St. Charles, and I remember this week vividly when this young lady went missing, and then the amount of days, what was it, seven, ten days later, when she was found in St. Charles. It was just such a 
disgusting and tragic uh, event that had happened and then to not have answers. Mm -hmm. But to be sitting here today for that family that went through this and nearly 25 years later, right? 25 yep, years 25, later? Yeah. Nearly 25 years later to hear some of what was, it had to have brought back all of those terrible thoughts of what they feared their daughter went through. And um, it just, it makes you sick all over again, but you have to admire the police work here. That to me is one of the most amazing things is so many of these detectives never gave up on this case. Even when it seemed like nothing was breaking, they stayed on it here, John. They did and technology eventually caught up and they were able to break the case. You know, this is a disgusting crime. And, um, you know, I, I have struggled with the, the death penalty concept just on a personal level, John. I, uh, but when you when you listen to the details of a crime like this, you know that that's a guy that doesn't need to be on this planet. I mean, what a sick, disgusting, and and tremendous thanks to those dedicated uh, officers who who followed through on this, uh, didn't let it go, uh, doggedly pursued the case, and lots of people in the community were working on this too, and still pursuing it. Listening to uh, the prosecutor Lomar's statements, who did an impressive job as well throughout this. Uh, he's saying they're going to continue to look, and good. Yeah, Tim Lomar uh, really distinguished himself here in the way he conducted that news conference this week um, and, and the, the sensitivity that he demonstrated, the, the, the dogged tenacity. Uh, he did himself very, very proud. And hopefully over the next couple of days as this story develops, we can hear a little bit from these detectives who mm -hmm. spent 25, a quarter of a century of their life chasing this. And many of them died and never, and even her mother died, what, two, uh, two or three years ago yeah. and never got to see closure on this. And, uh, but it brings up another interesting issue here because this week in Alabama, they proposed a law that would mean chemical castration for child sex offenders when they get out of jail. A lot of people don't like the idea saying it violates the rights of people who already paid for their crime. Take a listen. All we're trying to do, we're just trying to, to fix it to where that some, some small child is, is not molested. They're going to challenge it under the Eighth Amendment of the United States Constitution because uh, they're going to claim that it is cruel and unusual punishment for someone who has uh, served their time and for the rest of their life have to be castrated. What's more inhumane than molesting a small child? Now, John, it goes back to the topic you were just saying there is that, yeah, I know people struggle with death penalty, whatever it might be, but the fact that the rest of us have to scare the hell out of our children to make sure that they don't get into contact with people like this, that's punishment to every parent and every child out there that it these is. people are out there. It is, and look, you're going to have, there is evil in the world. It exists. People are going to be evil. They will continue to be evil, and you're not going to be able to castrate every evildoer uh, that would commit sex crimes against young children. However, uh, I don't have a particular problem with that prescription in the law. Uh, it certainly will take care of that individual uh, in, in some regards. I, I just, uh, you know, it is a shame that evil exists in the world, but evil exists in the world. That's why we have law. That's why we have order. That's why we have justice. Yeah, I don't know that I have much to offer as it relates to that. Uh, in terms of using chemical castration, I. I think about Angie Hausman and if this was, of course, but at the same time, you, you can make the argument that it's a cruel and unusual treatment, but if it was a relative, and I, 
unfortunately in today's society we know too many people who've been perpetrated on if you're the victim or a family member of that crime this seems would seem to be fair yeah this is one of those cases that i think hits everybody so we're going to shift gears here very quickly we're going to talk some politics before we go to break Missouri Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft announces the rejection of two referendum petitions for failing to comply with the Missouri Constitution. Now this all revolves around Missouri House Bill 126, better known as the heartbeat bill, banning abortion after eight weeks. We just got off the phone with Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft to kind of explain what's going on. It's confusing, John. You can probably do it. You can do better justice than I can explaining what exactly this means. Well, right essentially, the, the, the legislature placed an emerge, what's called an emergency clause on this bill, and the emergency clause has some language about the public health and safety in it. There's Supreme Court, Missouri Supreme Court precedent that you can't place a referendum on the ballot that is this same language after that emergency clause language has been attached to it. So what he's saying is the law the legislature passed cannot be referred to the voters. However, uh, people that want to submit these petitions can still submit uh, initiative petitions to change and say put a, a rape and incest exception in there. That's still available to them. That, that's likely what's going to happen, but there's also Supreme Court uh, precedent from nearly a century ago that West Hughes v. Sullivan says that you can't use an emergency clause to be able to thwart this. So ultimately what's going on here is that you have the Republicans, who I think are very fearful, uh, that they're going to get the same outcome of what happened on right to work. Uh, and this is an even more disastrous piece of legislation because we're now forcing people to co-parent potentially with their rapist. So you think in 2020, November 2020, we'll probably vote on some some version of this that says in cases of rape and incest, right? I mean, that's where it's ultimately going to lead, I think. I think that's what's going to happen. Fifteen years, Brown. Fifteen years I've been working with this guy. It's yeah. the first time he's ever quoted a court case to me. I, uh, that <laughs> was well done, Kelly. West Hughes, who was it? <laughs> West Hughes read, versus Sullivan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got read it. that again. <laughs> well done. He's been doing his research. <laughs> All right, still to come on Hancock and Kelly, Joe Biden has released his plans for education and the environment, but did he steal those ideas from others? Fellow Democrats, none too happy with how Biden came up with his plans. To hear more, listen to the podcast. Just search for Hancock and Kelly. Welcome back to Hancock and Kelly. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi been very cautious in her language, right? You've pointed this out when it comes to impeachment. Uh, not anymore. According to Politico, the speaker told senior Democrats that she wants to see President Donald Trump in prison. Those are her quotes. The comment came as Democrats are still pushing her to begin impeachment proceedings. She says she's not ready for that yet, but she did reveal what she would like to see. Michael, this one caught my attention well, here. Uh, yeah, we're, I'm not going to pursue impeachment. I just want to see him in prison. This came out of a closed-door caucus meeting. This was leaked. I think Nancy Pelosi is walking a big tightrope, maybe the biggest tightrope that we've seen in D.C., and that is dealing with a caucus and a Democratic base who's angry with this president, who we believe has violated the law, and by previous Republican uh, Congresses would have been held to the highest extent of it. Now, we have sat and watched this president thumb his nose at the law time and time again, continue to degradate the, the, the office of the presidency, and to not say that he has not committed a crime and see impeachment go forward. At the same time, Nancy Pelosi is trying to balance what's going on because there are political consequences that come with impeachment. So I think she's feeding the base. And I think she's trying to keep all of her political cards in, in play. Do you think the president wants to be impeached at this point? At least the proceedings begin? No, I don't think he does. But I think it would politically benefit him. Look, Donald Trump's not going to jail. 
He hasn't done anything to merit going to jail. And what Nancy Pelosi's doing here, she's amping up her rhetoric because she's trying to keep the impeachment proceedings from happening. Why? Because Nancy Pelosi knows that is really bad politics for Democrats. Uh, and her, her base is wants it. Uh, she's got half of her caucus in there that are crying to, to go the impeachment route. I don't think the president wants to go through it, but I think politically, if it happens, it will accrue to Donald Trump's benefit. I think he gets reelected if the Democrats go too you far. Know, one thing was said to me this week that I've been pondering ever since. They pointed out no president has been under investigation from the moment he got into office. He's never been able to govern without the threat of impeachment from day one. Is that a fair way to govern when you know that everything you're going to do, somebody's going to scream impeachment? Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's the hand he was dealt, and he, I think he's handled it pretty well, if you want to know the truth. I mean, look where the economy is, the tax cuts. He, I mean, the, the president has, has carried out the duties of the president while all these investigations have been going on. But look, the investigation is over, and it's time to move on, and, and the Democrats, well, you people can't and, let but, it go. But what, what you said to John was, is it fair? This is a president who didn't run in a, a typical campaign. He's the one who changed the rules in the way that we are talking about former presidents and etc. There is a, hot, a, a, stove, a pot on a stove that's boiling water, and impeachment's going to be a part of that discussion, and it was because Donald Trump help make that stew. And Michael, the reason I ask him if you think the, if I think or he thinks the president wants to be impeached, we've all been in trouble, right? To where you know the punishment is out there. But the waiting time until there's a punishment is worse. And I say that because don't you think at this point, he's still a man where you'd be like, okay, just do something so I know either I'm going to lose my office or we can move on. I agree with John. I mean, Donald Trump's not going to wind up in jail. We don't put presidents in jail. Uh, having said that, I also think there's something to becoming a president. And do you really want to be one of those three people? that wound up being yeah, impeached. I, and I think this is more about history. Well, I think, I, I don't think there's any question. Donald Trump does not want impeachment to proceed here because what will happen, it's politics, the House will vote to impeach him and then the Senate will never vote to convict him and you'll have exactly the outcome that you had with Bill Clinton, the exactly the outcome you had with Andrew Johnson. That was before you were born, Brown. Wow. And, uh, you know, that's what's going to happen if this thing plays out and Donald Trump's numbers will get better through that process. And it should be noted that Donald Trump's numbers are at an extreme low right now. So the Democrats may have them right where they want them. All right, let's talk about another Democrat. Joe Biden had a couple of blunders this week, which knocked his numbers down just a bit. He released his plan to fight climate change. But many Democrats that are already in the race say uh, he simply lifted our ideas word for word and passed them off as his own. He came to the race late, right? Then came his education plan, same thing. When people looked into the language, it appeared to have been lifted from other plans and he didn't give them credit. Now, in case you don't recall, his presidential ambitions back in 1987 were halted when it was discovered that he had plagiarized other materials when he was in law school. So, by the way, ever since some old statements from Biden came out, you know, about how, uh, yeah, how he could win the South. His numbers have dropped a bit. So if you're a Democrat money guy, you got to be concerned a bit here, right? Well, yeah, look, this is a, a long marathon slide to the primaries and then ultimately the general election. There's not going to be much difference in policy proposals that come <laughs> from Democrats. We're supportive of Obamacare. Oh, well, you're talking about Obamacare. You should be held accountable because that's already been done. I mean, this is just diplomatic. Just typical politics of people messing around. Joe Biden's the front runner. Everybody's shooting at him. You remember the Cardinals used to have a left fielder named Lonnie Smith. Oh, yeah. They called him, his nickname was Skates because he couldn't keep his feet under him. You know, he'd start running, he'd fall over. 
That's Joe Biden. <clears throat> he cannot run a campaign without falling on his face. And it, it happened here. It's, it will happen again and again and well, again. And I, that's why I don't think he'll be the nominee, ultimately. But it is safe to say that based on the last election, people's previous life leading up to the campaign has set a whole new standard in what's gonna, what the voters are going to hold people accountable Could for. be. Still to come on Hancock & Kelly, the state of Illinois has a budget in place. They're increasing a lot of taxes because the state is in such bad shape financially. Okay, if that's true, why did lawmakers just get a raise? It is time for news potpourri here on Hancock and Kelly. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker is signing that new budget that has a lot of people in Illinois concerned. The new state budget, along with some other legislation, will enact a graduated income tax. Also, they're going to increase the gas tax. That was passed this year to help with the budget issues. You got marijuana coming around. They're going to tax that to help pay for it. Uh, legislation pretty much for everything because they're in such dire straits. But in the legislation, there's a raise for lawmakers, despite the fact that the state struggles with debt and has the lowest credit rating of any state in the country. John Hancock, you're up first on this one. Doesn't look so good. Well, all I can say is whoever's left in that place, because people are going to be leaving that place in droves. You're raising the taxes. and da, da, da. Whoever's left in that place is going to be mad uh, that they're getting their taxes raised, <laughs> the sales tax, the gas tax, uh, the, the pot tax, the expand gambling tax, the income tax. They're raising all these taxes, raising their salaries of the legislature, uh, really bad optics, really bad state. And this is what happens, Kelly, when well, you put Democrats in. Oh, but when you have a huge budget for crisis, they need to deal with it. A lot of peripheral taxes, right? Send taxes, some might say, on, you know, a gambling and eventually now legalization of marijuana. The one that would be most concerning to me that I'm wondering if there's a sunset or if it's something they'll come back is that graduated income tax. If you think about the amount of corporations that are headquartered in Chicago. Mm, yep and the CEOs there that are, you know, are, are not right, that are making the money they're making, these folks have no soul when it comes to making sure that they make as much money as possible. I would be worried that you would be causing some of those big corporations. Yeah, I mean, worry. tax policy has consequences. When you lower taxes, people come. When you raise taxes, people go. And that's going to happen, and Illinois is going to reap the, the horrible results of this. As I've done stories numerous times, that little gas station up off of, uh, just before you get into Alton, Right, the line of people with Illinois plates getting gas in Missouri before they go across into Alton, that's a classic case right there. By the way, Illinois lawmakers, some of the highest paid lawmakers in the country right now, average $67,000 a year. Missouri, in case you're wondering, 36000 In New York, it is about 110000 So just to put it in perspective there, there you have it. All right, also a controversy in O'Fallon, Missouri this week. A gay couple says that Madison's Cafe denied them the chance to have their wedding rehearsal dinner there because they do not condone same-sex relationships. The cafe isn't ready to speak about the ordeal, and the city of O'Fallon is investigating whether the cafe broke a city municipal rule there. So, John Hancock, you're up first. Uh, is it the right of a business to say, no, we don't agree with your lifestyle, we're not going to serve you? Well, look. If, if you fundamentally believe that the act of homosexual marriage is a sin, as do almost every Orthodox Christian believer in the world, can the state compel you to, to bless the marriage that you believe to be sinful? I don't think so. People need to have a right of conscience here. I, no. I mean, what are we doing? Humans are humans. Love is love. What do people care? Why would they even care that, it, that two people want to come in and celebrate the relationship? It's not like they're going to have a, a, a relationship inside of it. They're coming for an event. 
what are we doing? What's next? We're not going to allow blue-eyed folks in. We're not allowing people of color. We've been through this in our country. What is wrong with people? We're all human beings. All right, still to come on Hancock and Kelly, it is time for their final thoughts, the best part of the show. And it's time now for final thoughts here on Hancock and Kelly. Michael Kelly is up first today. Go right ahead. Guys, we've had two days of this already, right? The most incredible atmosphere mm. in the entire region and downtown St. Louis. I am so excited for tonight. Game six. We're going to do it all over again. It's a big party down there, John. Well, I ran into this fellow the other day, Brown. I put him up there on the screen. It's my, own, my new buddy, Patrice Bergeron. Okay. I got on the elevator, Brown, and there was Patrice Bergeron. I could have gone. I could have gone all Tanya Harding on him and taken him <laughs> out of the series, but, but I didn't. I didn't. I wished him a good day, and he was very kind back. So there's my buddy, Patrice. I hope you lose. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's funny. I, you know what? Hockey players are just a different breed, fellas. These guys get broken jaws, broken bones. They're like, I'm good. And other sports, they flop. Have you seen the NBA this week? All right. If you missed any part of the show here on Hancock and Kelly, you can download it there on your smartphone. Search out Hancock or Kelly. Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace is next. We'll see you back here next Sunday. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.